Well, the general message from most central banks, of course, is that it's way too early to be talking about cutting back support by tapering bond purchases or pushing rates up. But the number of contradictory voices seems to be increasing. Today, the Bank of England's Gert-Jan Vlieger has been talking about rate rises next year. ECB's Jen Weidman also thinks monetary policy has done all it can. And Robert Kaplan from the Fed reckons the labour market won't improve too much more through central bank action. So there's quite a bit of movement on all of this talk overnight. We'll look at that this Friday morning. It's the 28th of May, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. equities are have pushed slightly higher, particularly the Dow is up 0.3%. Small moves, though, for the S&P and the Nasdaq, and shares are very mixed in Europe. The DAX is uh, down 0.3%, but the CAC 40 is up 0.7%. The FTSE is pretty flat. The U.S. dollar down ever so slightly. The DXY staying below 90. The Aussie dollar is flat. The Canadian dollar uh, almost half a percent up. The pound rising 0.6%, with only marginal moves for the euro. In fact, the pound has been steadily on the climb this year, and it's uh, now the highest against the US dollar since April 2018. And it could soon pass that. If we if it does, then we've got to look back to 2016 to see it this high. Uh, oil's up a bit, a 0.8% rise in Brent. Not quite $70 a barrel, but it's not far off it. And US 10-year treasuries are up three basis points today, up to 1.61%. Rises two across Europe. 10-year gilts in the UK up six basis points to 0.81%. So I think it makes sense that we start with the UK, given that uh, today it's our man in London, David DeGaris, Director of Economics for Markets at NAB. So a big rise in guild yields, big rise in the pound on a day that's not seen a lot of movement elsewhere. And, you know, I mean, a lot of the news was stateside, but I guess the movement in the pound is all to do with Gertian Lanvija. I did it so well. I did it so well in rehearsals. And your Dutch French earlier too. I was very impressed with that. <laughs> uh, the Cacarant. I love saying that. Uh, so the Bank of England's uh, Gertian Vlieger He's yes. sort of thrown the cat in the in the pigeons a little bit, hasn't he? Because he started saying, "Well, actually, maybe we will raise interest rates next year. Maybe the first well, half of next year." It's a bit. It, it reminds me a little bit of the interpretation of the Fed minutes, in a way. Phil, uh, markets yeah. will sometimes read into these statements what they want to read into it, rather than reading reading the whole thing or listening to the whole thing. And um, you know what he did was speak about three scenarios, you know, the upside, the base case and the downside. And he said something like, you know, if there is a smooth path out of a furlough, of course, which ends in September, mm. uh, if unemployment declines and we see signs of wage pressures and, you know, you, you need some time to assess that, then come the first quarter of next year, you know, the, the Bank of England might be thinking about rate hikes and he said it could come as early as what? the second quarter of next year. But then he yeah. went on to talk about the other scenarios and the market said, bang, right, Bank of England's got to be raising <laughs> rates. He's on the Monetary Policy Committee after all. So, yeah. you know, and so some, I mean, maybe it's just unleashed uh, some some uh, some money that was ready to buy sterling anyway. And, I mean, <clears throat> the, the reports on the virus so far and the vaccine been generally positive. I mean, and we had a reminder too that um, – you know, we had that Public Health England report, what was it, last week, that the, the vaccines have still been pretty successful against the India vira, uh, variant so far, but you mm. do, do need the, the two doses now. So that's that's in the background. Yeah, um, which, I mean, obviously is all very good news. Look, it was very interesting hearing uh, Dominic Cummings test a very long testimony yesterday. Did you, did you listen to all eight hours of it? I didn't listen to all eight hours. I did listen to a good couple of hours, though. But the uh, the bit that's not been widely reported is that where he was basically saying that they, they were threatening the Bank of England with 
having their independence taken away if they didn't buy up government bonds. So basically, you can keep your independence so long as you buy up our bonds, so long as you do what, you, what you're told. Uh, you can keep your independence, whether that's true or not, but uh, that was the interesting <laughs> bit in, in amongst all that. Now, look, uh, someone else uh, going down this same road on central banks. So Jens Weidman from the ECB, uh, he wants um, spending to be curbed. He wants, you know, the activities of central banks to, to be limited, the uh, the yes. length of fiscal support measures. Yes, yes. Uh, so, um, yeah, I guess that might, well, not seen a lot of movement, less reaction to that in Europe. Anyway, yes, no, I, think it was, I think it was more a uh, sort of a medium term re- reflective piece, uh, Phil, rather than, mm. you know, we need to do something right away. So it's, you know, he's, he's, he's been on the strong fiscal dis- discipline uh, bandwagon for, for a long period of time. That, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the Bundesbank very much yeah. Bundesbank theme, right? So it's a reminder that, you know, once this pandemic is over, you know, we have to strengthen the public finances again, you know, that, that that's super important. So he's not saying that they should be winding back stimulus now. I think he was pretty careful just to stay away. He's holding his cards pretty close to his chest on that. Ahead of but he, he was saying, and he has been saying, that, uh, you know, monetary policy shouldn't be used for distributive aims. That you know, That is a government's job Correct. to do. Correct. Uh, Correct. So, I mean, he was yeah. reiterating that. Mind you, some would argue that central banks right now have been having a big impact on income, income distribution the other way, not in a good way, but um, you know, they've created the problem. <laughs> yeah, no, but no, Robert- he's, he's very concerned about, you know, uh, you know, quantitative easing, overdoing mm. quantitative easing, right? It's, yeah, it's essentially sort of fun- funding governments in a sense. Yeah, and adding to that rich poor gap, which is definitely one of the byproducts, isn't it? I think of mm. uh, Robert Kaplan from the Fed uh, wrote an article overnight uh, that maybe the U.S. labor market is tighter than it appears. It's yes. sort of like going down the same line, isn't it? Really, uh, the, the the things crippling the labor market cannot be addressed by monetary policy. That's basically his approach. Uh, so yes. obviously, that's another one saying, you know, this is the case for easing off the accelerator that much sooner. In, indeed, and. Um you know, the mar- we in the market, everyone has been watching this, you know, the running total of the non-farm payrolls. And no doubt we will after next Friday uh, too, Phil. But, um, you know, the eight and a half million people who have um, dropped out of employment, but they did a nice little bit of analysis on, you know, what's happened to those eight and a half million people. Now, about half of them are, are unemployed, you know, according to the, um, the latest statistics. But the other half, uh, there's a good proportion that are retired, uh, you know, some of those would have retired early, right? And there's other, other others who were employed before the pandemic who are now care, caregivers. So, you know, you take those out of the equation or, or a big part of those and, um, you know, you're not, not talking about eight and a half million, you're talking about, you know, quite a, quite a smaller number there and, you know, referring to the fact that, you know, we had um, uh, the last payrolls report, you know, showed wages rising even though most of the growth was in, what was it? Hospitality at the time, and uh, and also in in teenage employment. So, mm. you know, we've heard signs of that. So it's um, it, it's an it's more open question. So you know, a little bit of analytical rigor to to what he's been saying recently and concerns about inflation. Yeah, so interesting, isn't it? I mean, we seem to be. Uh, I mean, there's definitely two camps, aren't there? The, the markets are split. It seems like central bank speakers are split as well. 
on the timing, you know, that there's a growing voice, though, that we're hearing for tapering earlier and rate rises earlier, too. Uh, so, uh, I mean, could this mean uh, are some of these people who are talking, uh, you know, like the names we've mentioned today, mm. do you think they're, they're worried about inflation picking up? You know, they feel like they've got to talk about it just in case the transitory inflation isn't that transitory. Do you think that's part and parcel of why they're saying all this? I think, I think genu- uh, generally speaking, they're trying to give up you know, what they think is an honest view of the situation. I think most central bankers will say, well, we don't understand fully how the dynamics of all of this will play out. But there Mm. is a sense that medium to longer term, those deflationary forces will reassert themselves. What what I think the market's really interested in now, Phil, is how long this sort of boost to inflation, you know, might continue. And um, Janet Yellen was was before Congress today, of course, they're presenting the administration budget uh, tomorrow, and she, you know, she was talking about inflation maybe staying high and, you know, through the end through the end of the end of this year. So, yeah, um, you know, it depends on how quickly a lot of those log jams can be unlocked, both for goods and for people as well. So, you know, yeah. those um, up to eight million people who are currently not employed, and we know that the demand for labour in the US is red hot right now, but. Um, the payrolls numbers just haven't sort of told that story, have they, on the supply side anyway? No. Well, we did get some numbers, though, didn't we? We got the uh, the initial jobless yes. claims for the week of the 22nd of May, 406,000. I think that's the lowest they've been since the, the start of the uh, the pandemic. So, yes. uh, But, you know, from, from, from what Kaplan was saying, of course, you know, less people claiming uh, jobless benefits doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, mean that we're going to get all the people we need. Uh, no, you know. but, and, and maybe it's a sign that employers are hanging on to people more. Uh, mm. You know, if, you know, and you're finding things like the um, NFIB surveys, you know, there was, uh, you know, a great proportion of uh, their members are saying that, you know, they're getting no or f- few applicants for jobs and so forth. So there may be all sorts of reasons for that. Maybe it has to do with, you know, just caution about going to work, uh, you know, with the pandemic and so forth until vaccines are rolled out more. Maybe it's just the passage of time there, but um, it seems to be real at this point, Phil. And uh, look, some numbers slowing in the US. So durable goods orders for April down 1.3% month on month. GDP for Q2, the second estimate was revised down a bit too to 6.4%. Still strong, of course, but the the GDP price index revised Mm -hmm. up a little bit to 4.3% as well. I mean, these are numbers that normally don't get revised much at all. So, I mean, it does show how much uncertainty there is, doesn't it? There is. um, I think you need to take out the volatile transport Mm. Uh, and um, defence orders out of the durable goods report, and what did you get a, a rise of? Um, was it two point three percent? Yeah. So um, uh, uh, that number is looking pretty good at the moment, and um, you might think, well, the fall in um, in the headline number was was uh, softer aircraft orders, but actually in vehicle orders. Now that may well reflect the logjam. Uh, in the system that, you know, people are going into showrooms and wanting to order new cars and being told, well, you're going to have to wait, you know, yeah. one or two quarters, come back in a quarter and order it then. 
If but, you want a microchip um, in it, yeah, you're going to have to wait. That's right. <laughs> indeed, <laughs> if you don't indeed. want the electrics to work, you're fine. You can uh, you can take this one. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Well, Joe Biden's going to release his budget papers later today. Uh, basically, big deficits for a decade. We, we, I mean, hardly a surprise because you go back 150 years in the United States and there's been way more deficits than surpluses, of course. But it's the yes. size of it, isn't it? Averaging 1.3 trillion each year for the next 10 uh, years. I just wonder if the open big market numbers. can. They're, they're big can, numbers, aren't they? They are. I mean, can the open market absorb all of that if the Fed doesn't buy them back? I mean, uh, you, you know, it would seem to imply that the quantitative easing could be with us for a long time. Well, uh, a little bit of that, but um, what have we got? You know, 10 year US Treasury yields at one point, uh, 1.6. So yeah. the market's not particularly stressed. Okay, the Fed is buying, uh, what was it, 80 billion in Treasuries every month. But, um, you know, there's, you just hear all the stories about a wall of cash out there. But um, I think the market will be paying particular attention to what their economic forecasts will be as well. So what are they forecasting for inflation next year? What are, the, what are they forecasting for growth and employment? Those types of things. Yeah, well, I think it's about four o'clock, isn't it? Uh, Eastern Daylight Time tomorrow morning, uh, if you want to see that. Uh, CapEx spend for Australia for Q1, uh, 6.3% yesterday, Q1Q. That's the strongest quarterly rise since Q1 2012. Mm. This was way more than expected, wasn't it? It was, it was. And it's adding about a you know, quarter of a percentage point to the growth story. And we saw the same coming out of the construction uh, report. Uh, and the economy has been reopening, so... Just as Victoria is uh, going, unfortunately going, in, yeah. going into lockdown again, but um, no, it's a pretty good report, and I think you know there's sense there that um, you know the accelerated depreciation provisions that the government has had in place now to to support business investment, you know, are playing out in those numbers. But even the twenty one twenty two expectations numbers are pretty positive. Fell pointing to growth maybe of up to another 10%. So it was a pretty mm. solid report all around. Yeah. It's a reminder, though, isn't it? That that Victoria lockdown, you know, it's not over yet. And this is happening Correct. without JobKeeper support as well. So a few people are going to feel it, that's for sure. Uh, PC deflators, uh, the, the measure that the Fed likes to look at, uh, that's out later today, plus personal income and spending, all important numbers from the US today. Indeed. Um, all, all important ones. I mean, the market's been waiting for the deflator number uh, all, all this week. So and we've already seen the CPI and how concentrated some of those rises were in the CPI. But um, everyone knows that the year two rates are going to jump up, for, you know, from base effects. But what is going to be the growth in the in the core PC deflator? But I think that the market will be left, left wondering still how much of it's temporary and how much of it's... Uh, it, it is uh, is ongoing, so yeah. um, that question is not going to be resolved. Yeah, no, no exactly. for at least for another couple of quarters, you wouldn't have thought. No, so in that sense, it's just another number, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it really? <laughs> uh, you know, read into it what you want. Uh, we'll leave it there for now. Great to talk. Uh, catch you again next week, Dave. Thanks. Will do, Phil. Cheers. And there we are. There's another one done. That's it for this week on the morning call. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again on Monday morning. Have a great weekend.